Hello, my name is Daniel Nenny, founder of SemiWiki, the open forum for semiconductor professionals. Welcome to the Semiconductor Insiders podcast series. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please post it on semiwiki.com and we'll get right to it. My guest today is William Ruby, Director of Product Management for Synopsys Power Analysis Products. He has extensive experience in the area of low-power IC design and design methodology and has held senior engineering and product marketing positions with Cadence, Ansys, Intel, and Siemens. He also has a patent in high-speed cache memory design. Welcome to the podcast, William. Thank you, Dan. Glad to be here. So what originally drew you to the semiconductor industry? Do you have an interesting story you can share? Yeah, I, th- I think that this whole thing started maybe with, uh, you know, my father, who is, uh, who's a very, very big sci-fi, science fiction fan. And I kind of grew up uh, reading books like, you know, Isaac Asimov, Jules Verne, you know, just really, you know, this, the space race was on at that time. The USSR, the USA, you know, the racing to the first to the orbit, uh, with, you know, manned space flights and so on. So I, I really got interested, you know, primarily in science first. I would say, you know, not necessarily the semiconductor industry, but uh, science first. Um, actually, uh, just you know, different different things, you know, nuclear uh, physics, uh, plasma nuclear reactors, fusion, fission, and so on. Um, and, and essentially just, you know, followed that path and I uh, wasn't really sure what particular discipline to kind of devote myself to. And I actually majored in physics in uh, in college. And, you know, at, at Berkeley, you know, Berkeley was pretty good in terms of letting students take classes outside of their major. So I took a lot of classes in electrical engineering, material science, not just uh, physics. Um, and then in my last year, I actually volunteered to do some research for a, a, a group of graduate students that was working on superconductor circuits. Uh, and they were associated with TRW Aerospace at that time, now Northrop Grumman. And um, actually, as I, as I finished up uh, Berkeley, I actually started working at TRW through those connections uh, and going to graduate school at USC. Uh, working on superconductor devices, but that was a pretty niche technology. So I got interested more in the, you know, what the mainstream semiconductor industry was doing. I actually uh, moved back to the Bay Area where I'm from and uh, got a job at Intel. At Intel, I was in the very, very first Pentium processor design team. That's where I have my cache memory design patent. Uh, so, you know, did design work. Um, after Intel, I spent uh, quite a few years at a medical division of Siemens, uh, ultra-low power design for uh, implantable medical devices, pacemaker applications, learned a lot about low power, used commercial tools, and then really moved over to the EDA industry, just in the, you know, the vision was to, you know, kind of drive the whole area of low power and energy efficient Designed from the from within the EDA industry perspective, um, and that's kind of where I am. So that's you know been in this low power field for quite a long time, as you can imagine, and very happy to be here and share some of my experiences. Oh, great story! So, how, what brought you to the position you're at in Synopsys? And you know, and, and what what do you do? 
Yeah, so so interesting story that uh, when I um, when I was working at Siemens back back many many years ago, I used uh, the tools from uh, this company called Epic. Uh, th these were essentially fast spice type simulators, and uh, in fact, uh, Epic had the very very first what I would call a dedicated power analysis tool on the market called Power Mill back in those days. And um, I was using PowerMill, and then uh, as I wanted to move into the EDA industry, um, I actually started working at Epic uh, as the product manager for PowerMill and uh, a gate-level power analysis tool that we at that time called PowerGate. Well, you know, a few months later, you know, Epic uh, gets acquired by Synopsys, and uh, I spent four or five years at Synopsys. Uh, really working on the power products even back in those days. And in fact, uh, we launched what is now called Prime Power, which is the Synopsys uh, power sign-off tool back back then. Um, I went on to other companies. Uh, I have decided to return to Synopsys mostly because I'm really excited about just the sheer breadth of uh, energy efficiency, low power design solutions that Synopsis now has uh, not just you know point analysis tools, but really the entire uh, solution, all the way from the architectural design phase to implementation and sign-off, and that really uh, resonated really really well with me uh, when I talked to Synopsis about coming back after so many years. And uh, essentially, what I'm doing now is the product and business management of the you know, of the analysis uh, backbone, if you will, of the of the power flow at Synopsys. So, you know, products like Fusion Compiler, for example, they have power optimization built in, but my responsibility is more on the dedicated uh, power analysis product. So I, I'm managing uh, Prime Power, which is the power sign-off tool, um, Prime Power RTL, which is the RTL solution um, that we have, and also uh, Zebu Empower, which is a an emulation profiling tool, and this is what I think we will talk a little bit more about. But that's that's kind of what I mean. So product management, defining new capabilities, features, uh, looking at the market opportunities out there, um, seeing how you know we can. Uh, you know, add to the product functionality to ensure business growth and, and things like that. So that's kind of like what my responsibility is, kind of in between the engineering team, R&D team, and the sales team uh, in terms of the product focus and product management. Great. Just a little bit of history. Um, how did the low-power design methodology evolve over the years? You know, where did it start, where is it now, and where is it going? <laughs> Yeah, an interesting, an interesting question then. And you know, having been in this field for a long time, here's what I can share. That you know, I think that most people will kind of um, resonate with the view of this sort of what I would call the inverted pyramid, right? Uh, you know, you have more opportunities to reduce power to make your design more energy efficient at the higher levels of abstraction. But the accuracy of the analysis is not as as good as when you move to the later stages. So there's that inverted pyramid that, you know, you have more opportunities to reduce power at the top, but your accuracy is not so good. 
then you, as you move down the stages of the design to RTL and implementation, your the analysis accuracy goes up, but the number of you know the the the, the way to optimize the design your your space your design space gets more constrained in that way, right? So there's not a whole lot of things you can do. Let's say once you finish your physical implementation in terms of power optimization. So what what the the interesting thing about it though is that the tools, the methodology, has actually evolved in the, in a completely opposite way, right? We started with Spice. Spice was kind of like you know catch-all, you know, circuit simulator. Eventually became a power uh, a library characterization uh, tool as well. But fundamentally, we worked at the transistor level in the beginning. The capacity was limited, the speed was slow, um, but that's the tool that we had, and this is what we had to work with. And I mentioned Power Mill, which was a faster uh, performance tool, fast spice, but still, you know, relatively limited. But the accuracy was good, right? The accuracy was, you know, spice is really close to silicon and so on. So we trusted that. And then we started evolving this methodology to the higher levels of abstraction. So we had the gate level tools come into play and the gate level tools required a library that was characterized for power. It needed to be well characterized for power to get decent accuracy. And then we moved on to RTL, and then we moved on to more of the you know system level type approach, and now we are in the emulation power profiling um, in space. So that's the that's the interesting fact that I wanted to again underscore that you know there's that inverted pyramid of accuracy versus uh, power reduction opportunities, but the tools have evolved in in a bottom up type of a fashion, right? But as I said before, you know, the reason why I'm back at Synopsys is because we now have at Synopsys this solution really encompassing um, the space all the way from architectural design to implementation and then finally sign-off. So where is, it, where is it all going? I think that where it's all going is uh, really pushing on accuracy at the higher levels of abstraction. So with RTL power, for example, it's really, really important to get really consistent accuracy. Uh, you know, this is something, for example, that Prime Power RTL, our RTL power solution delivers. And then moving on to uh, the high levels of abstraction, I think a lot of that will be driven by models. You know, so the ability to create uh, higher level models for things like IP blocks, uh, processor cores, hardware accelerators, and so on. That will drive more of the you know, system level type uh, power analysis even before RTL. So in, in order to enable that, then you need to create these models which would require you know, model syntax, uh, development, uh, understanding the dependencies of power consumption on, on activity and how to model that, uh, how to handle, you know, really billions and billions of cycles of workloads that could be used to create these models and so on. So that's where the, I think that's where the evolution is. Oh, interesting history. Yeah, you know, I worked in the emulation world uh, years ago with Zycat. They were one of the first emulators, and you know, I've worked in simulation. But you know, what is the update 
of emulation versus simulation. You know, why is using real workloads with emulation important? Yeah, uh, I think it's all really, it comes down to uh, understanding that, uh, I think I mentioned this, that power is really a function of activity. Uh, the, the activity that the design sees will ultimately result in essentially how much power and energy it's consuming. So what we see out there is that a lot of times the, you know, because of the essentially, I would say a limited capacity and, you know, in a, in a turnaround time that leaves uh, sometimes a lot to be desired from the simulation standpoint, uh, the number of, clock cycles, if you will, the length of the simulation that you can run is is pretty limited. Um, and in fact, a lot of these uh, simulations are run with what uh, what we are now call, calling synthetic vectors, right? The synthetic uh, workbenches that are maybe designed to simulate some corner functional test case, but they're not really tuned to, um, to give you a, a good solid power profile similar to what you would see when you run a real world application right so what you know so when for example if you're trying to estimate how much um what is your battery life for your mobile device right you don't want to run functional corner test cases you want to run let's say a typical application type of a uh, test bench, if you will. But the problem with that is that uh, these applications or these, you know, things like Unix boots and kernel boots and so on, they take literally billions and billions of clock cycles, right? So simulation is not really practical from the overall, you know, size of the activity, the workload perspective. And again, coming back to what the simulation is really about, if it's a directed test, for some functional behavior, it may not really be a representative for power. Like for example, if you're trying to do a battery life estimation, you need some typical, you know, typical average application operations. Or if you're trying to do uh, an analysis for um, thermal uh, cooling package type selections, you need something that is called uh, thermal design power, TDP, uh, which is kind of like a sustained worst case over, let's say, 100,000 clock cycles, right? But again, it's not that you would create necessarily a test bench for that specific 100,000 clock cycles and run that. It's just that you would run a larger workload and then identify within that workload what is your sustained worst case operation, because that's that's you know, realistic compared to, you know, any kind of a ad hoc, you know, test bench simulation based type of an approach. Um, and also the fact of the matter is that a lot of times activity uh, is being used as uh, a means to uh, drive power optimization in the flow, right? Whether it's RTL uh, techniques to reduce power or even synthesis and, and physical design based implementations, you need you need a solid basis for that activity. Uh, otherwise you are optimizing in the wrong direction. So emulation will give you that realistic set of activities. You look at the power profile and say, ah, 
I want to optimize again <laughs> as an example for that sustained worst case. Here's the, the segment of that emulation power profile. Use this to drive my optimization. So it, fundamentally, emulation gives you the ability to, to work what I would, with what I would call real activity, not synthetic vector. Yeah, great explanation. So what are some of the design inefficiencies that can be uncovered with uh, workload-based power analysis? You know, how can workload-based power analysis be used most effectively is what I'm asking. Sure. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the thing here is to realize that it is essentially uh, a combination of uh, <clears throat> things like hardware architecture, as well as even the, the software coding, the software code, the firmware that runs on this device uh, can also be optimized uh, for power. We have done that many, many years ago using different methods at uh, Siemens where we optimize the assembly code running on the pacemaker. So what are some of the things that you can detect? Well, I think that uh, you can detect, uh, for example, um, where in your profile your power consumption is going up uh, and understand if, if for example, you have uh, things like a memory that is being accessed, but the output of the memory is not being selected by the downstream logic or not being registered downstream, which means you just wasted your memory access, right? So understanding how the memories are being accessed, whether the data, the output from the memory is being used actually is important to reduce the, the memory power component. Another thing about memories is uh, sometimes we see cases where let's say the memory is reading the data, but it's reading the same, you know, reading from the same address clock cycle after clock cycle. So that's resulting in wasted power as well. You basically want to prevent these types of redundant accesses as well. Um, you can look at, um, <clears throat> for example, you know, where do you see uh, potentially missed uh, global clock gating opportunities? Under what conditions? Can you shut down the clocks? For example, you may see that uh, a clock to, you know, the, your one of your blocks is consuming a lot of power. And once you start debugging it and you look at the port activities, you may find that uh, the data input to that block is not toggling. In other words, the upstream data is shut off, but the clock is still toggling the registers within that block resulting in wasted power. So you can look at that type of a phenomena. Um, architectural decisions like, um, you know, should I use one large memory or two smaller memories? Again, easy enough to do in the emulation scenario. You change the, the RTL source essentially to reflect that memory split, and then you can rerun the same workload and you can see what the, what the difference in, in power is. Of course, the, you may say, okay, well, you know, there's an area trade-off, but you know, we've we've looked at that ever since the multi-core processor days. So you know, trade-off energy for power. I mean, sorry, energy for area. You know, and so on. So there's you know, fundamentally looking at inefficiencies in your design from the redundant activity and redundant power consumption perspective, 
microarchitectural decisions and even software code restructuring to reduce power. Got it. So what level of accuracy of power analysis can be expected at the various design stages? All right. Okay then. So, you know, accuracy, you know, of power analysis in in, in the flow. Um again, you know, coming back to that, you know, inverted pyramid of how the tools and methodologies evolved, um if you start at the, all the way at the bottom, you know, you have the spice and, you know, you have the fast spice uh, type tools like PrimeSim. Uh and those are typically within just, you know, 1 or 2% of silicon measurements, right? Because they, they work with SPICE models and they, they're very, very highly correlated and so on. But then you you move up uh, the level of, of abstraction and you are now looking at gate level. So gate level tools, uh, sign off tools for power like prime power uh, require a uh, library, standard cell library, typically a you know, Liberty format that is characterized for power. Okay, And most Libraries today are characterized for power. They're well characterized for power, which hasn't really always been the case in the past. But today, they are. So with uh, standard libraries that are available now, uh, the accuracy of gate-level power sign-off uh, can be within a few percent of SPICE-level measurements. And in fact, uh, prime power is our power sign-off solution is certified by foundries as a sign-off tool all the way down to three nanometer. We're working on two nanometer certification as well. Uh, and we do literally thousands and thousands of test cases uh, to validate accuracy versus um, versus spice and silicon measurements. So the power sign-off is, like I said, typically within about maybe five to seven you know, percent of silicon or spice measurements. And then you move up to the RTL uh, power space. So the, RT, you know, the RTL power space, there are different solutions out the, uh, the market. Um, in the case of uh, Synopsys, we have uh, Prime Power RTL that delivers really the consistent accuracy of RTL power analysis because it is very much timing driven using the same timing engine as synthesis tools. Uh, it's uh, doing first pass uh, cell placement, global routing, capacitance estimation. So with that, you know, we can deliver consistent accuracy of RTL power versus sign of to within about plus or minus 15% range. And as I mentioned, there are other solutions out there that are more heuristic uh, based and more, uh, they take more of an ad hoc approach. Uh, the their accuracy band is quite a bit wider, so there's less consistency and less you know fundamental accuracy with other solutions out there today. And then you um, you you move above um, RTL and and by the way, you know, just since we're on the subject of uh, emulation power profiling, emulation can be run uh, with either gates or RTL. So uh, with Gates, Zebo Empower, which is our emulation-based solution, uh, is typically within a few percent of the Prime Power sign-off tool um, because Prime Power puts 
100% focus on accuracy as the sign-off tool, whereas Zebo Empower does take some shortcuts in the name of much, much higher performance. So it's you know Zebo Empower is not sign-off accurate like Prime Power, but it's within comfortably within five to ten percent of the sign-off power numbers. But again, the throughput, the turnaround time for uh, emulation power profiling is much, much higher. Um, you can also run RTL with emulation. And again, you're, now you're going back to that, uh, you know, plus minus 15-ish percent consistent accuracy for RTL power. Now, going above RTL, you know, the, the accuracy there is really fundamentally a question of modeling and how well would a model describe a complex behavior of a block such as a DSP core? Uh, what's the cycle to cycle dependency for power? How well that is described? Still an open question. There is still you know, work going on in the industry to look at various alternatives for this, uh, the syntax to describe these types of models and you know, the characterization flow, the model validation, and so on. So, Hopefully that kind of gives you an idea of, uh, you know, what are the different levels of accuracy that you can kind of expect, you know, through various uh, design stages from uh, from sign, you know, SPICE to gate level sign off to RTL and emulation and then higher levels of, of abstraction. Hey, hey, one last question, William. Um, what are the trending solutions for emulating power profiling? Yeah, the, the, I think that the, the trending solutions, I would say, are really looking at, uh, you know, how does the emulation power, um, first of all, enables one to, you know, run these types of large workloads. Uh, even though power profiling uh, using, for example, uh, Synopsis, Zebra, and power, power profiling is quite, Fast, much faster than a, a sign-off analysis uh, type tool such as Prime Power. Uh, for for hundreds of billions of clock cycles, even computing power on a cycle by cycle basis may become very computationally intensive and maybe even prohibitive. So one of the things that um, that is emerging is the the notion of weighted activity where the emulator itself can be instrumented with um, essentially think about this as, as weights for different types of uh, standard cells or blocks in the design. So for example, a memory that gets a, a single clock toggle, toggle will consume a lot of power, but it's just one instance. So you need to weigh that um, properly and say, okay, one clock toggle for a memory is much, much higher weight than uh, a clock toggle for a single flip-flop. Uh, so then you can, you can build a notion of this, you know, a weighted activity profile. And that can be essentially as, you know, a proxy for, you know, really, really huge workloads, you know, hundreds and billions of a proxy for power analysis, right? So you would run that type of a workload through this weighted activity profile 
and then you can identify certain regions of that workload. For example, you know, like the, the kernel uh, portion, kernel book, and then say, okay, you know, now let's double click on that. Let's compute actual power for that, you know, particular segment of my workload. So that's one um, emerging uh, technology. The other one is, uh, the, again, using the real workloads uh, to essentially characterize um, designs like IP blocks, you know, processor cores, DSP cores, using those real workloads to characterize and create these sort of higher level models, if you will, for more architectural early exploration and so on. So those are kind of like the, some of the two trends that I see out there for emulation power profiling. Great. Hey, thank you, William. Great discussion. And hopefully I can meet you sometime, maybe at the next snug. Huh? Oh, yes, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Dan, very much. This was really, really good. If you if you or the, the audience have any questions, follow up, you know, you have my coordinates and please feel free to reach out at any time. Thank you, Monica, for arranging this. That concludes our podcast. Thank you all for listening and have a great day. Thank you.